Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Romans 13, we're reading from verse number 8. The Bible says, Oh, no one anything except love for one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there's any other commandment are all summed up in, the, in, the, in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is near than when we were first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly in the, in the day. Not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, but, in, but not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the, fle- for the flesh to fulfill its lust. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in Jesus' name. In verse number 8, Paul shifted his attention from external evidence of our transformed life into an internal, you know, into an internal focus. Paul started talking about the believer's love one for another. The believer's love for his neighbor. Now, Paul, please understand that this is not the first time that Paul will be talking about the believer's love. If you look at verse, if you look at Romans chapter 12, beginning from verse number 14, Paul started talking about this idea of love. But what he talked about, okay, what we're talking about is different from the focus that we have right now. In verse number 14, Paul the apostle said, Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Okay, rejoice with those who rejoice with you, and weep with those who weep. If you look at if you look at verse number seventeen, Paul now continues. He said, "Repay no one evil for evil." And if you get to verse number eighteen, he said, "If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceable with all men." In verse number nineteen, Paul went on to say, "But do not avenge yourself. Why? Because wrath belongs vengeance belongs to the Almighty God." And then in verse number twenty, Paul took. The love for our love for the enemy to a different level. And the love that is what he was saying in verse number 20 was that he said, Therefore, if your enemy hungers, he said, Feed him. If they thirst, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heal, you will heap a coal of fire on his head. He said, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So this is in verse number eight is not the first time that Paul started talking about the issue of love among the body of Christ. That's not the first time. But what you will find is that the emphasis is different. In chapter 12, he was, he was talking about love as it relates to the people of God. He was talking about love as it relates to the enemies, the people who do not deserve to be loved. Okay? But when you get to chapter 13 in verse number 8, you will find that Paul now changed his focus. His focus is now loving our neighbors. Paul is saying that as a transformed believer, we owe our neighbors a duty to love them. Okay, he considers love a duty, a lo- love as a responsibility, love as a debt that believers must pay. Okay, 
He said that, and he said that he's a death because you need to be able to realize that God Himself has loved you with an infinite love, and you ought to love your neighbor as yourself. So if you go back to that Romans chapter eight, uh, Romans chapter twelve, sorry, Romans chapter thirteen, reading from verse number eight, he said, "Oh, no man anything except to love them." Okay. That is what you owe people. You owe them love of God. Okay? For he who loves another has fulfilled the laws or has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. Or if there's any other commandment are all summed up in this saying, which namely says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. For love does, the love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, this, looking at this verse of the scripture, you'll begin to see that what Paul is talking about is number one, that every believer has a responsibility to love the people that they come in contact with. You don't have to, you know, they don't have to look like you, but you have a responsibility to love them. He's saying you owe no man anything except to love one another. Number two, the Lord is, Paul the Apostle is telling us, he said, love is the central, love is central to the fulfillment of the law. In other words, if you want to see the, if you want to fulfill the instruction of the Almighty God, love one another. Look at verse number eight. He said, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then number three, what Paul is trying to tell them there is that the power of love in fostering harmony with neighbor amongst neighbors. In other words, if you love people the way you love yourself, it will be very difficult for you to do harm to them. If you love them the way you are supposed to love yourself, you will find it very difficult for you to be able to take their property. It will be very difficult for you to be able to cover your, your, your neighbor's wife or husband. It will be very difficult for you to do the things that other people, you know, that will bring harm to your, you know, to the, to the, to the people who are next to you. Now, Paul is emphasizing, Paul is emphasizing love, you know, Emphasizing love to the particular church. The question, the, the issue now is that the kind of love that Paul is talking about is a kind of love that makes a lot of people uneasy. It's the kind of people that make even believers very, very uneasy, uneasy. Okay? Because our general bent as a human being is to be able to do what? Is to be able to say, okay, I want no, I want to be able to determine who I'm going to love and the extent of which I'm going to love that person. Okay? That is the general bent. Even for those of us who are born again, we want to be able to determine how far we can go in terms of who we love and how much we are going to love them. But Paul is saying here, you cannot pick and choose. As long as you have human beings, as long as you have people who are made in the image of the Almighty God, you cannot pick and choose and say, okay, this is the person I'm going to love, this is the person I'm not going to love. Paul is saying, as a transformed believer, you are required to love everyone. Okay? And this is a very challenging demand for believers. Very, very challenging demand for believers. And this challenge to love our, to, to love our neighbors as ourselves is not something new. It's not a new challenge. And people have been complaining. This is not the first time, you know. Many of us are not just, the, 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 the response that we have right now is not new. The Bible makes us to understand in the book of Matthew chapter 18. If you read from verse 21, Peter made that particular objection to the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was saying, in verse number 21 of Matthew chapter 18, Peter said to him, Lord, how often should my brother sin against me and I will forgive him? In other words, how long should I continue to love my brother? Should he get to a particular point where I cannot decide to go into my room and, 
and he opened up the vent and just start telling him how I really feel about him? How many, you know, how long should I endure? What should be the limit of my law? What should it be, be the limit of my law? How far do I need to go before I can tell my brother to go and kiss wherever he needs to kiss? At what point in time do I really have to tell my brother off? And look at what Jesus said in verse number 22. Jesus said unto him, I do not say to you seven times. Okay? In other words, you can say seven times. So you probably hold a, a calculator and you are walking up and down. You mess me up today, I count number one. You mess me up, I count number two, number three, number four, number five, number six. Once you hit number seven, you say you have exhausted your quota. Now I can deal with you the way I want to deal with you. Jesus said, no, I'm not giving you, I'm not saying seven times, but I'm saying 70 times seven. Which means if you have the time to make that tally, Okay, that means you really don't want to so you really don't want to deal with this individual, and that's why we are keeping tally of 70 times 7. What Jesus is saying, what Jesus basically is telling Peter is that you love your love should know no limit. Your love should have no limit. In other words, keep loving them when it is convenient, keep loving them when it's inconvenient, keep loving them when you want to, keep loving them when you don't want to. And the reason is because you are enjoying the infinite love of God. I used to joke about it. I said, if you plug a video cable into our heart right now, now people have HDMI cable. If we have an HDMI port right next to our heart and we plot it in there and it displays on this TV here, a lot of funky things are going on in there. <laughs> and if God is able to, you know, endure those kind of things that we are thinking, not just about ourselves, but about other people and about God Himself, if God can enjoy the saying, and I'm showing you my mercy over you, I expect you to do exactly the same thing. But the thing is that the requirement, the standard that has been set by the Bible is a very, very high bar. Even for the most holy reverend like myself, it's a very, very high bar. <laughs> you know, the idea is that it is very difficult for you to be able to carry out that particular responsibility to love some people. Some people are just difficult to love. You look at them, you just don't like them. There's nothing you can do about them. There are some people who are difficult to love. There are times when you want to let them have it and tell them exactly what is going on, how you really feel about them. You really want them to disappear. The point we are making is that there are times when God wants to give us a knock on the head just to be able to straighten us. But the Bible says that the love of God was shared about our heart that while we are yet sinners, Christ did what? Christ brought us into his fold. Christ died for us. And he's saying that if you enjoy that kind of a mercy, if you enjoy that kind of a love, the least I expect you to do is extend it to other people. The question is, why is love central? Why is it a, a central evidence of a transformed life? If somebody said that I've been born again, I've encountered the Lord Jesus Christ, now I have met him. If that person says that I have the evidence of believing, of, of being born again, why is it love, why is love very, very central? Go back to verse number eight. The Bible says, Oh, no man anything except love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. And then Paul the apostle now start giving you the exact, start giving you the reason why this particular love of your neighbor fulfills the commandment. He said, for, for the commandment, you shall not, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. If there's any other commandment, he said, they are all summed up. Namely, as you, your namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because love does not harm a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of law. According to this passage, there are basic things that you see concerning law. Number one, Paul is saying, love is the basis of all the laws. 
Everything that you see in the scripture is on the base of the law. And that is why the book, that particular verse of scripture that has been repeated a million times is so important. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's the basis of all the law. All the instruction that God has given unto us is based on the law. Is, 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 is predicated upon law. Number two, Paul is saying, our love is the anchor for the law. In other words, if love is not there, it will be difficult for you to keep the Sabbath. If love is not there, it will be difficult for you to, to, to respect the boundaries that has been set by your uh, set between you and your neighbor. If the law, if the law, love is not there, you will not be restrained, but you will be willing to destroy the next person next to you. So love is not just the basis; love is the anchor, and that is why love fulfills the law. If you have the love of God upon your hearts, you don't need anybody to preach to you. That you don't do harm to the other person. I used to joke with new couples that I have the opportunity to minister to. I tell them one thing. If a man loves a woman and a woman loves the man, they have no need for marriage counseling. Because they know how to do basic things. You don't need to tell that person to respect the other guy. You don't need to tell the other person to humble himself in the presence of the other person. Because the love of God is already in their heart. And it makes them to do what they know to do. The love of God will always give, will always direct you in the way you are supposed to go. So when love is present, every other thing, you know, finds, finds its level. But when love is not present, that's where we need to be able to put law and begin to put restriction and put guardrails as to how to move or relate to one another. So this is the basis. This is what Paul the Apostle is trying to say. That love is the basis of the law. That love is the anchor of the law and love fulfills the law. And this raises another question on its own. And the question is raised is that, how is it that love fulfills the law? How is it? Look at the book of Matthew chapter 22. Reading from verse number 34, the Bible tells us there. It said, but when the Pharisees heard that he has silenced the Sadducees, he gathered, they gathered together. Matthew 22, we are reading verse number 34. And then, one of, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, hands the law and the prophets. In other words, our Lord is re-emphasizing exactly the same thing that Paul is saying. Basically saying that if you cannot love the man that you are looking at, if you cannot love the person that you are interacting with on a daily basis, how can you love God that you have never seen? If you cannot deal with the thing that you are seeing right in front of you, how can you deal with the things that you cannot see? And Paul the Apostle went a step further and kind of encapsulated the whole idea of this law, fulfilling the commandment in Galatians chapter 5, reading from verse number 14, the Bible tells us, it says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And the reason the whole law is fulfilled in that verse of the scripture is found in Romans chapter 13. Look at verse number 10. It says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love fulfills the law. Because when you love somebody, you will never think of committing harm. You will never think of stealing their property. You will never think of harming them. You will never think of bearing false witness against them. You will never think of doing all the things that are encapsulated in the Ten Commandments. If you actually have love flowing through your body, none of those things will apply to you. Because why? You are operating on love. 
And that's what Jesus said. And that is what Paul the Apostle re-emphasized. The question is, why was Paul emphasizing love in the letter to the Roman church? Why was he emphasizing it? In the very beginning, when we were starting, when we started this particular, started looking at this book, we thought, with, uh, we, we understood from there that Paul wrote the letter to the, to the Roman church and by extension telling them about love today because the Roman church was a troubled church. The Roman church was a divided church. The Roman church was a segregated church. The Bible makes us to understand that they, they, were, they were divided among racial and ethnic lines. The Jews and the Gentiles could not see eye to eye. And Paul the Apostle was trying to tell them that if you have been transformed, that if you have been born again, you must love your neighbor. And when you love your neighbor, you will not commit adultery. When you love your neighbor, you will not do anything to harm that neighbor. Paul is saying, as a body of Christ who have been transformed, the reason I'm writing this letter to you is that you can be able to show the love of God that has been shed upon your hearts. You will not do anything that will harm your neighbor. You will not do anything that will harm the guy that does not come from the same town or the same village or the same creed or have the same skin as you. You will not harm that person if the love of God is in your heart. The Paul wrote this letter to tell the church that living the transformed life as a believer requires you loving God and loving your neighbor in accordance with his words. Paul's argument is that if a transformed believer loves his neighbor honestly from the heart, it will be automatically easy for him to fulfill the laws that the Lord has, that has, that has been given to him. He's saying that if you are able to look at a person that you do not know, a person that is different from you, a person that does not share the same, you know, the same, uh, the same likes and, uh, you know, and, uh, and uh, doesn't share some, some commonality with you. He said, if you can look at that person and express love towards that person, it will be very easy for you to fulfill whatever God is telling you to do. Because you are showing it to somebody who have no linkage to. Okay? So Paul is basically stressing the importance of love because he wants the church to understand that as a transformed child of God, an encounter with the Almighty God is what put that love in your heart. In other words, you cannot express the love of God when you have not encountered Christ. It is not possible. What you will do is something that looks like love. What you will do is something that looks like care. But the true love of God is never expressed, cannot be expressed, will never be able to be expressed in the life of an individual unless that person comes in contact with Christ. Number two, Paul is trying to tell them that, that there has to be a transformation that takes place inside your heart for you to be able to love somebody that has no connection with you. If nothing is going, if nothing has happened inside your heart, God has not done an extra work in your life. You will find it extremely difficult for you to love somebody who you completely disagree with, who you completely don't like, who you who have done something to hurt you. It will be very difficult for you to do. So Paul is saying, number one, you have to encounter the love of God if you are going to love somebody else. Number two, transformation must have taken place in your own heart for you to be able to love somebody. Number three, Paul is saying the love of God that is flowing through your you must flow from your heart out of the overflowing love of God that you have experienced. In other words, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart, you are able to express love. When there is no love in your heart, no matter how much someone or love you have heard, no matter how much you repeat the love of God, no matter how much you talk about the love of God, nothing will come out. Because there's nothing in there. It is out of the abundance of the love of God that you have enjoyed. It is from that particular abundance that you pull out 
the love of God and share it and extend it towards other people. That's basically what Paul is saying. And the question is that, why must you as a believer today, why must I as a believer today express the love of God to the world that we come in contact with? My brothers and sisters, the question, the, 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 the importance of displaying love to the community and to the world that we come in contact with right now is because, number one, you have encountered that particular love. Because when you have come to the point where you see the depravity of your own heart, the, the, the lack of love that you have experienced in the past, and now all of a sudden God opens your eyes and floods your heart with the joy of heaven. When you have experienced that particular thing, you want you are trusting, you want to share it with somebody else. You want to tell other people about the things that God has done for you. It's like somebody who is hungry, who finds a place where he can get food for free and now sees another hungry person and say, here my friend, this is where you can get something. This is where you can get you know, the, the bread of life that will, that will sustain you forever. The reason why we share the love of God to the, to the community that we find ourselves. The reason why we share the love of God to our family members who have not encountered Christ, the reason we share the love of God where we go is because we ourselves have been saved by that same love. Not because we are better, not because we know how to pray, not because we are more good looking than the people, not because God has a special number on us. It's just that the fact that you have enjoyed, have been, you have enjoyed the grace and the love of God upon your heart. Number two reason why we share the love of God is because love is a foreign language in this particular day and age. Love is a foreign language. When people hear love, they are referring to something else. Most people don't know what love is. Many who have encountered what they call, many who have encountered or experienced love, what they have encountered is completely different from what love is all about. They've encountered something that looked like, something that calls itself love, but it's not love. Many have not encountered the true love. And that is why we who have the love of God in our heart, we are supposed to go to the world and say, this is what love looked like. Yes. This is what the love of God looks like. When you are beginning to share the love of God to other people, they'll begin to realize that whatever they have, whatever they have encountered that have been called love in the past, it's not love, but this is what love is all about. And that's why there are some times when you meet people and you begin to do things for them because of the love of God that is coming through your heart. You, they ask you, why are you doing this? And you look back and you wonder, what is wrong with this person? I'm trying to show you love and you are asking me, why am I doing it? People ask that question because they what all that they have ever encountered in their life is people taking advantage of them. People giving them something because they have an agenda. People giving them something because they want to take something from them. But when you come with the love of God, without any agenda, the only agenda you have is that they will, expect, they will encounter and embrace the love of God. They look at you as if something is wrong with you. They ask you, what is your plan? What is the cause? What is the hidden? What, you know, what is it? Where, what is the catch? That they are asking you because they have never experienced this, experienced anything like that. So the reason you and I as believers who have been transformed by the love of God, the reason why we must express, why we must show that love to the whole world is because the love is a foreign language in the society that we live in right now. Number three, love, we need to show the love because the love of God is not unique to the church alone. It's, a, it's for everybody. It's available for everyone. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins may be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. In other words, you can enjoy the mercy of God. You can enjoy the favor of God. You can enjoy the blessings of God. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He said, whosoever he said, whosoever, which covers everybody, which means we are supposed to be the people that will send that word across and let people have a chance at least to embrace it. 
Number four reason why we are supposed to, to express the love of God to the world is because the Lord Almighty calls us an ambassador for him. We are supposed to be an example of the believer. The reason God did not take you out of this world when you were born again. The reason why he, why he did not rapture why he did not rapture you immediately was number one so that you can witness to others, but number two to be able to show the whole world what the love of God can do in the heart of a depraved man. That when you encounter Christ, when you encounter the love of God, what that love is able to do, what the change it can bring in the life of an individual, the transformation that can happen in the life of an individual, that is one of the reasons why you are here. To be able to tell the whole world that it is possible for somebody who has been so, who has been so debased for Lord to rise him up and place him on a high level. It is possible for your tra- for life to be transformed. It is possible for the fruit of the Spirit to be shown in the life of an individual. It is possible for somebody who has been selfish and hateful to turn around and become loving and be, and be able to express the love of God to all the people that he meet. The Lord left us here so that we can be an example to the world to see. And finally, the Lord gave us the opportunity to be able to, t- you know, we are, we are supposed to be able to, to share the love of God. For the whole world, because whether we like it or not, the end is drawing near. The end is drawing near. Every day, the salvation of God is bringing us, you know, the salvation of God is coming closer. There are three levels of salvation for those who don't know. One is that when you are being saved, which is historical, the day you give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you are continually being saved because you are being transformed to the image of the Almighty God. And then we shall be saved when Christ Almighty comes to take us home. That particular day is drawing near. And the condition is that the love of God must be upon your heart. That is one of the reasons why you share it. To prepare yourself. Because one thing you must understand is that the salvation, when you raised your hands upon the altar and you cried your special cry and you, you know, your, your, the pastor laid hands on you and prayed for you, that is not an end in itself. That is just the beginning. And the Lord expects you to continue to grow and to continue to mature into the image of Christ. That is the daily walking out of your faith. But finally, the Lord Almighty is going to come to take his people home. The Bible said that the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will raise forth. And those of us who are alive, we shall catch up, we shall be caught up to meet them in the air. And then so shall we be with him forever. In other words, there is a coming salvation of the saints. And the Lord is saying that I'm asking you to show the love to the world. Not only to be able to tell them to get ready. Not only to show them an example. Not to be able to be an example of a believer to them. Not to be able to tell them that the love of God is available. But at the same time to prepare yourself ready for the rapture of the saints. Yeah. Because whether we like it or not, it's going to come. Okay? There are two possibilities. It's either we die before he comes, or we are here when he takes us home. Okay? At, at any point in time, when death comes, nobody's ready for it. But one thing the Lord is telling us there is that we should make sure we express the love of God to other people because whether you like it or not, Christ is going to come and take us home. The question is that, have you encountered that love of God? Because you cannot show the love that you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. Have you encountered the love? Has our heart been transformed by the love of God? Because as long as your heart is not transformed, whatever you are trying to give, you are doing it in your own power. And if you do it in your own power, you are going to be limited. And that is why you wake up one day and you see when in an unguarded moment, the pastor comes out and actually shows his true colors. Okay? People who have been who have been, who we refer to as very holy, very righteous, very everything that we call them, in the moment when they forget that people are watching, they come up with the, their, their true colors emerge if the transformation has not taken place. And the question again is that, is the love of God flowing through your body to everything that you touch, the people that come in contact with you? 
Paul the Apostle wrote Romans chapter 12 from verse 1 and 2. The Bible tells us there. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The question is this. Are we transformed by that love of God? Has that transformation taken place? Is the love of God shared upon our hearts so that we ourselves can not only share that love with other people, but we can structure our life on the basis of that love to wait for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.